Well, welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. This is me, Will, your host of sorts. So I want to start this week's show by paying tribute to uh, Lynn Shelton, uh, who, as some of you will know, uh, she was due on my show last May, and this is uh, being recorded on May 16th. So, um, yeah, she was due on and she sadly passed away. Just... uh, just this rare blood condition she had, she lived with with her whole life, she never knew that she had it. And then as with so many people that live with rare uh, blood diseases or rare conditions, it just catches up with them. You know, those of you who are Joe Strummer fans, for example, that that guy lived with, with a heart condition his whole life and then one day gone. And it was particularly hard for a lot of people and Lynn, with Lynn's passing because she was still relatively young and in the middle of a creative flow. She was a director of some fantastic films and uh, recently Sword of Trust. Uh, she, I think she made a breakthrough with a film called Hump Day, which is sort of like um, a wacky comedy. And um, But with, with those of you that have watched a little bit of her work, um, even some of some of you may know of Little Fires Everywhere, for example, is a fantastic show that I was recently watching, and she she always tried to bring humanity into her work. You know, there was, it was always trying to bring out the good and bring a good message to to other people, be positive. And you know what struck me about Lynn Shelton was the fact that she freaking well reached. You know, I reached out to her and she she reached back. I sent her a message on Instagram, and then for about two and a half, three months, we were pretty, we were pretty good friends there for a little while. She watched the name, my short film, and I couldn't believe that she was, she liked it. She wasn't a, she wasn't horrible about it. She, why, why would anybody be? But I mean, no, she was kind. She offered me advice. She agreed to chat with me, and had we, I don't know. Had we got us got our act together sooner, maybe you know I would have got to speak with her. But um, yeah, and she was a wonderful human being. So I, I'm just paying tribute to someone that uh, the, the human race lost, and the human race is lesser for it. But you hope that there is a, a similar person uh, out there or being made. You know, maybe that's you know it's the one thing we should be positive about. You know, I'm a dad. I look at my two daughters and I think, well, what are they going to be? Hopefully one day they'll be putting some wonderful things back into the world, bringing humanity to, to our faces. What do I mean by that? Real feelings, man, that we all go through and putting them onto screen or onto paper in, in whatever way that might be and telling people about our problems and, and relating, you know, humility and and what have you, the journey, the human journey that we're all on, trying to figure it out in this fucking shower of shit that is called a life, I guess. But just before I bring you to the main guest, I would like to challenge you all to go to my website, somedaysadiamonds.co.uk, and just to check out some of the creative stuff that I have, to, that I'm attempting to bring some of my version of life to you and and maybe some bring some warmth into your life there's episodes of the limehouse podcast up there there's my blog you can read and there's also the name the film that i just spoke about it's available 
and uh, it's it's all there. And I and I love that film, and I think it's a good part of me, uh, my soul, and what I'm about. So if you do like these episodes and you think you can get on board with more of me, <laughs> then somedaysadiamonds.co.uk is where you want to go. Or just find us on Twitter at LimehousePod and I'm on Instagram. Yeah, recently come back from the West Country with a little holiday there with my family. So I've put a few pictures up there. Stunning, stunning countryside. Anyway, Max Lahif is our guest, is my guest this week. He is a unique son of a gun, rugby union player. I thought I'd break it up because we've had a, a little line, a little stream of actors and what have you. And uh, th- this guy is, is is wonderful. And you know what? Uh, we what we what I really like about this conversation is that it's one of the first he's done <clears throat> where we talk about mental health. And he is someone that has clearly had some struggle, not struggle essentially, but an awakening and then a struggle and then realization to better himself through uh, anxiety or depression and then eventually into mental health and the awareness of that. It's wonderful that I was able to reach out to him for the first, like be the one that got him talking about it, clearly for the first time in an interviewing capacity, because I think a lot of people that I speak to are what you would call, I don't know, woke. I hate that expression, but you know, awoken to the process that is talking about mental health. And it's it can be a little clawing sometimes when people, I don't know, they're so used to talking about their mental health uh, in a public way that it, it almost becomes a little bit didactic, a little, I don't know, a little bit auto- automated. And there's not a lot of emotion there. So this one is good in as much as that he is honest and raw and you can tell it's the first time he's really spoken about it. So it's cool. I hope you enjoy it. You do not have to be a rugby union fan to enjoy this, by the way, because I'll tell you for a fact, I'm not that big a rugby union fan. I do enjoy rugby, but it, we don't really talk anything about the sport, really, as, as it, you know, as a technical game, the technicalities of it. We don't talk about a scrum, for example, and how a scrum is made or how, a, how one goes about kicking a rugby ball. You know, anyone... Uh, Lord Maxwell Heathley might be able to help you out there. Anyway, look, look after yourself. Um, do, as I say, uh, if you feel like paying forward, um, uh, I don't know, doing me a favour, then do go to somedaysadiamonds.co.uk. Check out some of what I do there as a way of just saying thank you for the episodes I bring you. And I do hope you are enjoying the show. Look after yourself. Stay whatever stay you and be true to yourself and enjoy the the time you have here every day and in whatever way you do that because let's face it it can end just like that Hello. Hello, sir. I'd, lo- I'd love to start from as much as f- from the beginning as humanly possible in terms of you and, and your background and, and what have you. Like, you're th- what, 31, 32 or something? 
31, yeah. 31 years. A wee baby. I'm 40 (laughs) this year. Oh man, it's a big it's a big difference between thirty one and thirty nine. Oh my god! But anyway, you so you um, Carl, when when did the bug for rugby start? Was it was it sort of like cricket or football first, and then rugby came along, or was it always um, like sort on the box? What 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 happened? When did it come into your life? So I went. I started off at a primary school in in London in Clapham. Yeah. And um, I was pretty, it was all football. So everyone wanted to play football, just like concrete playground. All the cool kids played football. And I was garbage at football, like feet like a centaur, just awful. And um, <laughs> didn't, get, didn't get much from it. It didn't, give me, didn't fill me with much confidence, but I enjoyed it. And then I, um, my mum sent me to a um, prep school in Ascot by the yeah. name of Papwick. And, um, Papwick, that's a great name. Yeah, outrageous name. And um, I played rugby once there, and that was it. I just knew. I was about 11 or 12 when I first played it. And it was like the main winter term sport, very Harry Potter vibes. And then <laughs> but that was really good fun. And it was like uh, rugby, cricket, hockey kind of vibes, very English public school. Um, yeah. But yeah, I had a... Um, a teacher there by the, uh, I think he's still there now actually, a maths teacher called Stuart Milan. And uh-huh. he was a big Dutchman from South Africa. And um, he really sort of imbued me with that spirit for rugby as well. He was so zealous about it. Like the fanaticism was real. And we had a pretty good team. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, it was, it got a hold of me pretty, pretty hard. I was, I was obsessed. And then I took that going forward into my, um, into college at Wellington College in Berkshire. Um, I know it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, another ridiculous school. Really fun. But <laughs> I was draconian and Harry, yeah, like yeah. the epiphany yeah. Harry Potter about the, the I bet I can out-draconian your private school to my private school, my friends. Yeah, uh, my, yeah, my yeah, yeah you, you were 10 years ahead of me. Yeah, yeah, 10 yeah. years of big, just an big difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But yeah, then... Um, but yeah, we went on to, we did really well there. But I wasn't like, I wouldn't say I was like a, a massively talented rugby player. Um, yeah. At that point, I was sort of thirds and seconds. And, um, mm. but I managed to sort of persevere eventually. And, you um, sort of found your feet, right? Through like enthusiasm, sheer weight yeah, of enthusiasm. It, it was pure. Yeah, it was just pure passion. Like that'll take you everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Like it's hard Absolutely. to deny so long as you've got a few mainstays, it's hard to deny that. Yeah. Um, so what would be what what would have been one of your like mainstays? Your like what you could rely on back then when you were like eleven, twelve, thirteen, or whatever. In what regard, like, like in in, in a match, like because obviously you haven't in oh, any um, not in any way like formed your like your true like uh, focus, as it were, or your your I don't know, yeah, you yeah. harnessed your true ability. Would it be pace? What would it be like? Uh, yeah, so it was a bit of pace, um, mostly like mm. contact. So I was playing wing, right. but I could barely catch the ball. But I was like a quite an abrasive kid. <laughs> what I enjoyed about the game was just flying into people. Um, and that, You're and a lucky guy. My, yeah, exactly. So that was that was good. I got that bit out of the way pretty quickly. Yeah, um, and the rest just followed suit. But yeah, I was it was all about that, just like the tackling and the carrying of the ball the best parts I should have played rugby league 
and I was relegated I, to prop four. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby league is all about the sprinting, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, full on. Exactly. I, went, I went to see Hull. Um, I, it, was a, it was a derby up in Hull, uh, best part of 10 years ago. Uh, the whole football, uh, the football ground. Um, it was unbelievable. I can't believe I didn't like spend more time watching it. It was just, it was, and it wasn't necessarily like end to end, but it had like more of a vibe of like um, Aussie rules. And I'm, I'm yeah. a bit of an Aussie rules um, a fan as well. And I was just like, oh my god, like this is fantastic. But um, where, where, like, what, what about like people in your life when you're like eleven, twelve, and what have you? Like, who was other than like that that teacher you pointed out? Who like what your mum and dad doing, or, like, or your brothers or sisters or whatever? Are they who's who's bringing you along? Who's like pulling it out of you? If if you, I doubt I doubt you, it doesn't sound like you needed much coaxing, but I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. But my dad, my mum and dad are both architects. They're quite like. Um... I mean, they work really hard, but they're quite laconic souls. They're like quite progressive, chilled out people. My brothers uh, were all pretty eclectic. We're all into different things. Like you would never catch them on a rugby field. Um, Yeah. A couple of them enjoyed it a little bit, but sort of just for fun. Um, Yeah, no, it was, it came out of me pretty organically. There wasn't, I wouldn't say there was, like Stu Milan was probably my biggest influence at, at school as a teacher mm-hmm. and being at a boarding school, just sort of surrounded by teachers quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and then onto the next schools, it was, it was usually like the Wellington college had a culture of like the first 15 was like the kind of creme de la creme. So you grew up sort of, it's so weird isn't it? when you're like 13, you go to these big, these big public schools and the 18 year old guys are like the first 15 and you're kind of like, Oh my God. Yeah, it's and insane. Like gods of rugby. <laughs> and yeah, you're it's, like, it's, it's crazy. So in... Five years at the age of third, between thirteen and and, and it's mad, is, isn't it? It's, yeah, that's like gro- almost grown men versus yeah, children. exactly. And it was so infectious being in that in that culture at Wellington. Like, um, hmm. it was really barbaric game day. Like, you had to watch the first fifteen on the on the big side. There was chanting. Like, there were guys face painted up team songs they were always involved like sort of insulting the other school's sort of reputation it was glorious it was it was was a very unique environment halcyon days man yeah it just catalyzed everything yeah exactly can can you can you talk about a little bit like that because i think like for me you're bringing out a um, kind of like a great gatsby vibe like i can imagine because i think a lot of people um they kind of tend to put uh, private school or rug- rugby rugger in that kind of category okay. of of posh posh boys and and what have you. But um, I think it's quite romantic and it's quite um, it's a bit of a. I mean, obviously, it's still going on and stronger than ever, I guess. But I I quite like the idea of focusing in a little bit of like what it was like for you trying to draw out a little bit more of that like passion of what it was like to be in those those brutal matches as a, as a young boy and, and, and like being covered in, in mud and like basically essentially (laughs) feeling the love of the game organically Mm. root into you. Yeah. So, um, I think with a place like Wellington college, because of the, 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 the campus is so intimate and it's your universe as a young person. You know what school's like? 
is, is pretty political and um, mm. all-consuming. It's your universe when you're that age. So the pinnacle of my existence, in a way, sort of everything from my social credit to um, just like what edified me to the core was trying to sort of play for the first 15. And the games were, yeah, it, there was a real, there was a lot of rivalries. Um, and our school was particularly reputed as like the school to beat. So every time we played, it was expected for us to win. So we'd come up against a lot of teams that were just coming for our necks, but it was awesome, man. Like, yeah, it was just raw. Like it's because at that point you're not playing for anything really other than your friends and like this kind of schooly like reputation, but really it's all yeah. for you. Like you're doing it because it edit like really stimulates you in the core. Yeah. Like what were the first matches uh, like that, that, that you can remember like triumphing in a big way and like as a team or as an individual, like what the, when you're a wee nipper, I mean, I say wee nipper, I kind of mean like, oh, my, <laughs> well, when I was like, uh, so my, my first real like success that really sort of resonated with me and like spurred me on, like gave me massive dumps of dopamine was, um, <laughs> was a game actually playing for the third 15 for Papua and I scored like a hat trick on my first three touches of the ball and it's all just like I don't know like, like I was playing wing and um, it's just something very well for me but I imagine it's the same for a lot of rugby players but like mm -hmm. beating beating defenders and like attacking space and it, it's really quite euphoric um even though that sounds ridiculous, like the stuff you will do for the oval shaped balls, hilarious. Um, Mate, I don't think that sounds ridiculous at really, all. I, yeah, I love it. But um, especially when you're like 12, it was amazing. Because I think also at that point, I hadn't been particularly athletic. Like my old school, I wasn't good at, I wasn't particularly, like that's the great thing about rugby. It's so inclusive. It's guys who aren't incredibly coordinated and <laughs> gifted with <laughs> finesse. Naturally, yeah, that's true can get something from it and like yeah. be rewarded in that way just for having like a serious like robustness and like hunger for collisions like you can get a lot from the game even at the top level yeah absolutely. so um throw him yeah. in he doesn't mind like having the shit kicked out of him and he can he can <laughs> kind of tackle he has no self-respect yeah there's so <laughs> many guys like that yeah. It's just like no self-preservation, <laughs> not an ounce of it's in their body. And yeah. they just make like 60 cap careers in the international. Right. It's awesome. As, as long as their knees and elbows hold out. Yeah. Right? As long as yeah. their anatomy maintains some kind of integrity. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's so cool. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I was scared. I was scared to death of rugby. I mean, you and I are completely different in that regard. I, In fact, you went that way and I went that way or you went that way and I went that way um like I, I found out that rugby was a contact sport when I was 10 and I ran a mile I was like nope uh, I fell in love with hockey which is ironically kind of brutal in itself I became good at that and picked up a few injuries but just I don't know there's less you know it's a non-contact sport so it's like it's different but it's it's still like an exhilaration isn't there in um it in in most sports, I loved it. I, I, I still love. I haven't played sport competitively in ages, but um, but my God, there's nothing quite like it. When you speak about um, you know that euphoria of still kind of being able to remember that at twelve, that's mm. that's 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 so cool. But like, when did yeah. um, sorry, carry on, Max. 
I know, I just, like, I was thinking, like, you still, like, that's what you sort of crave. I think in, um, in those moments where you're, like, really flowing and playing and enjoying it, um, the mind just completely quiets. There's sort of, like, I think that's, like, that's where the beauty is for, for guys who love sport. It's like that. There's a stillness. I think as you grow older, your mind gets louder, doesn't it? I think that's awesome. As a child, your mind's just constantly being, but as an adult, you're sort of always like, there's some kind of moment going. Yeah. And sport gives you that outlet to just kind of be. Um, that's that's. I think that's why it's so. That's why so many people love playing playing sport. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's it's so good for your uh, mental health, no matter what level you play at. Obviously, it doesn't it just doesn't matter. No, it doesn't game. matter. If you've got a, if you've got like, if you're a human, you're an athlete. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. I think like there, there needs to be more effort made um, top down in, in, in from parenting all the way to schooling and government. I think like it just not enough is made of it. And and I also think that not enough is made of the variations of sport available. I mean, I know that's easy to say, like, why aren't we pushing for more sports? But, you know, why aren't we? But anyway, that's another can of worms, perhaps another mm. day. But um, so when... Um, when did you make the step up then? When did someone go like, hey, Max, you could you could play at a different level, my friend? Uh, yeah, so I had a little bit of a different pathway. I sort of, so at the end of my last year at Wellington, there was a tour to South Africa and they wanted to take some of the guys leaving the school on it because they knew that the, the South Africans were pretty like large kids and Schoolboy rugby, there's like, is like, def- is a religion, like straight up. Oh my um, God. Yeah. Tell me about it's it. It's crazy. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I had a, like quite a good tour. Um, I played really well. I sort of came into myself a bit more during that tour. There was more like, um, I was sort of used to being in the first 15 for a bit longer. Yeah. Um, and I sort of had some confidence. Um, and my coach at the time had some connections with, um, London Irish and I, I was like he was he came up to me and goes I think you could take this to the next level if you if you if you were keen I was like, I, I could make a call and all this and I was like I was like yes please that'd be amazing um, that would be I'm, good I'm, I was like please please do it <laughs> so at the time I, ha- I was down to uh, do uh, architecture at Kingston University oh following was like, mum and dad's footsteps yeah follow the mum and dad's footsteps I was interested in it but Looking back at it, there's no way I would never have been able to pull that off. Now watching mum and dad do what they do. Right. And um, so I, I didn't make much of it anyway. I had my gap year coming up. Um, didn't hear back about that. And just went off into London, did a bit of, um, did some laboring for a marble company and started playing like uh, for Rosalind Park, which was like a Nat 3 team at the time in London. Yeah. And from there, uh, I met another guy who also knew the same guy, London Irish, Rocky Skinner, uh, rest in peace, wonderful bloke. Okay. Um, yeah. And was, was playing some very good rugby there. But it was like, it was, Nat 3 is okay standard, but it's not like amazing. And I was playing like seconds men's at 18, 19. It was tough. And gotcha. a little bit of under 20s for the club. And, um, Tough as in the physicality, the physicality of it? Or? Yeah, man, it's just different level. Like, mm. there are some guys who are sort of 
physically developed maybe at 18, 19, but you're not fully there, are you? Let's be honest. Um, no, no, yeah. Yeah, and you're playing... Some, I'm still not there, man. <laughs> <laughs> in Nap 3, there's like these ex... Um, there's so many ex-pros, savages, some of them are killers. Oh, God. Just, in the gym, little bit of, little bit of gym biscuits, just, just want to have a good time with the boys on a weekend. But yeah, oh, it was... No. It was um, so yeah, there was a lot of fun though. I had so much fun. It was a, it was a yeah. great club, and um, same thing happened there. So they contacted him. He asked if I wanted to have a have a have a look see, and I was like, absolutely, I'd love to. So I finally got in contact with a guy called Neil Hatley, and um, he was the academy manager at London Irish at the time. Uh-huh. And he said, "All right, come down, come down Wednesdays and uh, Wednesdays and Fridays. Yeah, Wednesdays and Fridays." Join him with the um, under 18s ace, uh, see how you go. So I'd sort of get, so on Monday and Wednesday, I was training for, um, no, Monday and Thursday, I was training for Roslyn Park. And then Wednesday, Friday, I was at um, London Irish. And this went on for a few months. Is that, is that is that near Barnes, by the way? What's that? Uh, Roslyn Ros- Park? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah Roslyn passed- is like real the Barnes. Yeah, yeah, I've passed that. I passed that about three. Yeah, you drive past the rock. Yeah. Yeah, maybe four thousand times. Yeah. Yeah, it's like big, big road through there. Awesome. It's a fun yeah, stadium. The, yeah, little, yeah, man, that's road. that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, man, and then I, I I managed to crack it with him, and the rest was history. He sort of offered me a academy contract. I remember where I was at the time. I was in Wimbledon Station. Yeah. And when he told me, I was just like screamed out it was like busy and everyone was just like what in the hell i'm just like wow cool. yeah. yeah but that was um it's very special like, moment. yeah you like jumping up and down and people are looking at you yeah absolutely it was pathetic but it was also it was Don't pathetically pure you know what i mean but, yo fuck yeah absolutely <laughs> but it was God. like it was like a, yeah there's a strong sense of perseverance yeah, yeah it was cool. wow that's does it, gosh, I love, I love how you really, you know, you appreciate that because sometimes when that stuff comes to people at a young age, they don't quite understand the significance of it. Clearly, like having played around a lot of ex-pros at, um, you know, that rugby club um, at that level, like, and you've seen, right, how people, I wouldn't want to say fall from grace, that's inaccurate, but, or a wrong thing to say, but you you can see how some people have, have had an opportunity and it's and it's gone and and, and mm. they didn't or they didn't quite have a skill set or wouldn't they have loved to have you know had a, a trial or, or, or at least a go at, at London Irish that would have do, do you guess even at that age you knew the significance of that opportunity? Well, it was pretty much the only narrative I had in my mind when I was that young. So and because I because I never like. So age group rugby at Wellington College and stuff for England was it was a place to go and get guys and I was never I was I would always be overlooked because I was playing like seconds and thirds I wasn't good enough. Um, okay. So like that that uh, narrative in my head I was just telling myself just willing myself that I knew I was going to be a professional rugby player but no one else I wasn't I wouldn't like tell people I was like yeah I'm going to do this but in my head I was like I'm going to do this but yeah sure. I don't think a lot of guys in my team until like later on in my upper sixth year would have thought yeah max has a crack here yeah um 
because you did they'd have seen so many age group guys who played like under 20s and under 18s for England who went on to play professional rugby from Wellington mm. Yeah. So yeah, it was um it's a powerful thing in mind. Like it's awesome. Like you can you, it's, it's sometimes it's almost romantic to believe you can will, like you can almost materialize your destiny if you believe it and envision it hard enough. I um, I I do agree with you. I think for some it's background uh and 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 the availability of success is actually it it can sometimes hinge on that. But um, I think also ten, you know, the ten thousand hours thing. I really do think that makes yeah. a difference. I, I spoke with um, a footballer called Pat Nevin, who's a wonderful guy, and um, his his um, autobiography talks a lot about that. Like he had a he had a natural skill set, but the fact that he was up against the brick wall, kicking a football for thousands of hours, and even yeah. when he's at you know the top level, he's still doing the basics, training, staying longer and later than everyone. That is a that's a huge part of it, isn't it? Like you can never tell a kid enough if they want to get to the to the top, they've got to just practice. Yeah, that, man, I completely agree with all your points. Though it's so true. Yeah, yeah. like um, I find that there were so many freakish guys I was with, like talent wise, but I, sometimes you sort of get the idea that it's if there's sort of a sense of entitlement almost. So. The price they paid sort of wasn't steep enough for them to really like kick on and excel at the next level. Hmm. Yeah, I I think entitlement's quite interesting actually. I don't know whether that's youth. I don't know what that is. Like maybe it's carried through like through through your childhood in, into into I don't know teenage years and stuff. And that's not even like again like entitlement is can come from any background I guess, but. Um, it's just cool that when you I speak to someone like yourself who recognises the value and the importance of like you're only here, you've only got one shot and and all that kind of thing, even from a very young age, to have that focus is I I really I do like that. That's that's a it's a cool quality. But um would would you mind if I recorded a video recorded some of this? Would that be okay? Just for yeah, your, yeah, that's you, fine. You, YouTube channel and all that kind of stuff. I don't have a YouTube channel, it's more for Instagram. But um I don't know how to work these things anyway. Um, but yeah, no, what I suppose what interests me because I'm a football football fan um, and the, the I don't know, some of my, my friends, if I ever watch rugby, Six Nations or whatever, yeah, they just like, oh, what are you watching that um, egg chucking crap for or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Sport, sport to me is sport. If it's a drug, I'll just watch it. If it's on, I'll just watch it. But, um, but in terms of football, and rugby and the seemingly progressive nature, socially progressive nature of rugby versus the kind of, I don't know what you call it, static acceptance of difference um, in, within like social structures. So like, you know, the homophobia within football and the lack of it in rugby. Do you like when you hear about um, another rugby player that's come out and no one gives a crap because it's perfectly normal and natural and lovely and wonderful? But then you hear about it in football, like as in no one's come out in football uh, for many reasons. Do you do you ever just like celebrate the fact that how open minded and how progressive your sport is? Um, I do. I maybe I take it a bit for like, maybe I take it a bit for granted because I've always been raised that way. Mm. So it's sort of it's. Uh, 
I never came from like a, a family that was divisive in that way. Like my mom and dad are like very, very progressive parents. Um, but yeah, when like when I see it, especially with guys like uh, Levi, I think you're referring to. Um, I used to play with him. Yeah, no, like it's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's a difficult one. I'm not sure where the um, why there is this kind of resistance in football. Um, but it, it's like, yeah, I, to answer your question though, perhaps I take it a little bit for granted. I mean, yeah. there is some, there is some things that irks me a bit with rugby. Like it could be more, the product itself isn't, is like amazing. Like I think it is, but I would say that, but I feel like yeah. it's not marketed amazing because it's, yeah. it's like, it's still not that, I don't know. Inclusive is not the word. Accessible, maybe. Yeah, it's 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 a tricky sport to understand as well, right? It's it's yeah. it's uh, it's there. There are certain phases and off the offside and and all this kind of stuff. fifteen yeah. players on on the pitch is pretty diff- difficult, you know. And, and yeah, I get that, but it's still <laughs> I get. I mean, essentially, it's just a a hard hitting, enjoyable sport. Yeah, all you're so. doing is trying to win territory. I think yeah. if you can tell people that, I know that the rules are a bit nuanced, but the idea of the goal of the game is pretty basic. Um, move the ball to space, get up the field, die down. Yeah. But there is some, there's still a little bit of snootiness about it, which is yeah. disappointing. But, um, but, but, but it'll get there. So, I think it will get there. I mean, it just, it, you're the first rugby player I've ever spoken to, a professional rugby player. Uh, spoken to like you know friends that play or what have you but um it just it just strikes me as a very refreshing mindset um and i I don't know if we you know you want to i want to draw the point out too much but um it just does seem to me just like a natural family orientated sport obviously there most sports are but in terms of like family in um i don't know social progressiveness you know without even like you said you don't even think about it you take it for granted but what a thing to celebrate you know i drive past um your old rugby ground on the a205 and there's a massive advertising thing like on that electric board up there now and i think it was around the world cup i can't remember now but it was like basically celebrating like gay men in rugby i mean and then i'm thinking about my sport football and i'm uh, yeah, I'm ashamed. Like, really, genuinely, kind of ashamed. Is you know, can can rugby teach football anything? How they can go about like including people that might be like struggling with like having to suppress their real selves. Ah, uh, that's so tough, isn't it? I think the thing is, I don't have a massive like. I don't have like great insight into football. It's not something I have to follow. So I don't know the culture that well. But what I do, there's something about football that I do admire, which is the, it's this sort of weird fanaticism. It's so intense. It's like, it's sort of like what I was talking about with school, like how I was so galvanized by the first 15. But this is like whole cities mm. and whole groups of people who just completely define their existence almost by like supporting their team on the weekend. And then that's a different level. 
that's different gravy. And I, I still, that's, I mean, I, I find it almost nuts, but it's also like amazing. <laughs> so do I, man. So do I. Yeah. Um, which I think there's an element of that in rugby, but it's nowhere near as widespread as football. Like, hmm. it's mad. Um, so I think there might, I don't know. I just don't have enough insight into what it is. But I think with anything like that, I don't know if it's synonymous with being able to embrace any real individuality. Just, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I kind of, yeah, I think like the fanaticism tends to cloud like the possibility of, I don't know. I think that's, for me, it's like, I, I've i spoken about this with with, a, with other people, I, either, you know, sports uh, commentators, uh, presenters, or yeah, ex-players, and, and, I, and I've, They've they've got way more like insight, and it's it's hard. Yes. To, I'm you're you're trying to. I'm putting a question to you about another sport that you have absolutely really no connection with or no yeah. real love love affair for. But what I'm guess I'm trying to do is just trying to pat rugby on the back and just go why how how why is this such a <laughs> do you know what I mean? And but if you ask own, if you ask different if you ask different rugby players though. Um, they'd have different opinions about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they'd yeah. say, they'd say there isn't enough. Yeah. Um, in terms of like being yourself, being able to be yourself. Um, mm. But as you say, it's, it's a lot better than where it could be. I completely agree yeah. with you. I think, I think in, in lots of ways it is very inclusive. I'd love to, I'd love to just like, pivot slightly onto like um I, I i once heard brian moore speaking about i think it was brian moore speaking about his depression in uh and his i don't know what like ocd like intrusive thought patterns um before during and after kickoff um playing for england what have you and you know he'd i don't know he'd, he'd win a win the six nations or something with england and then three minutes into the into the changing rooms he's in a corner you know berating himself um mental health is a huge part of 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 everyone's life um obviously but i mean in terms of like accepting it and talking about it now um what's it like now within uh, within your team within your structure your coaching structure your your own your own life maybe um in terms of mental health and and pre- prepping yourself either for a game or just getting through a day in covid times Oh gosh, it's a big question. It's a big one, man. It's a big um, one. It is a big one. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think with rugby, what I've realised is my first two years, three three years, um, I got by on just like it's pro rugby. I got by on just like full on zeal and zest for the game. Like I was so like motivated because it was all so novel. I was trying to make a name for myself and um, but that sort of juice if you play on it just that alone it's quite difficult to like replicate that for a, a long career so like I was yeah. trying, trying to always emotionally invest myself in each game to put myself yeah. in a place where I can like run at kind of forests of well-nourished shoulders and um, <laughs> I was just like what am I doing there was this point where I was like, what am I doing? This is going to be, it was a weird thought. Like I must've been 23 at the time, 23. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I've got another 
potentially another 10 years of this. Is this, yeah. is this, um, is this right? Like this is this grind because it almost like it almost desensitized me to what I loved about the game. Um, mm. So I wasn't, it was just an everyday thing. And then you've also got the scrutiny of coaches and the scrutiny of fans. And like, it's just completely different. Um, almost like pro rugby is so with anything professional, it just yeah, changes yeah. the nature of it. And um, that was my first time where I had to like really um, sort of encounter my like some changed feelings on the on the sport. So then I sort of tried to I, I would try and I tried to change it up, and I travelled abroad to play over there. Um, because that was sort of my goal was to play international rugby at the time. Mm. I was um, Aussie qualified, and I, yeah. I went for it. But that wasn't that wasn't the issue either. Mm. And um, that sort of I was a bit too young for such a big move so far from home. And mm. um, my old coaches at London Irish, it was like a big, as you said, it was like a big family. Like it was an amazing environment. I was very blessed with that culture. But I, I loved mm. it. And um, but then I went to um, the the Rebels, and I, I really enjoyed it. But it was where are they based? Sorry, in Melbourne. Oh Christ, man! Okay, that's a huge step. Great, great city. Loved it. Loved Ooh, the city. Yeah. Had some family there. Great it's, times. Bit seedy. Bit naughty. Very good. <laughs> the Aussies have a good time. Very yeah, good times. ACDC and, Lane um, in Melbourne. World. Yeah. Oh. What a glorious city. Great yeah. times. Good food. Great food. <laughs> bit, bit smug about their coffee, but I'll yeah. give it to them. Kick the breakfast. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and so then I met this, just... this coach. What? So go on. Carry on, Max. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, so the head coach was the guy called Tony McGann. Absolute warlord. Like old school. The headmaster of the old school. Like it was all carrot. It was all stick, no carrot. Like yeah. he welded it. Um, tough Queenslander, like, oh, God, you're right, my you? Useless. Useless. All the time, just red in the face. <laughs> Little man, but, like, build a room. All and I didn't anger. know what to do with this. Yeah. And, like, guys were telling me not to take it personally and all this. And it was, it was just, it was, like, compounding on top of me. I just wasn't used to it. I was just a little snowflake. And... Um, it's too much. It's too much, man. Yeah. You're on the other side of the and, world, for God's sake. So yeah. So that that back. So I struggled with that, and I, I developed like yeah. I developed. I got like some some fear anxiety. It was the first time I ever like really encountered men in, like mental health, like bad yeah. mental health, and it was like okay. racing thoughts. Just like you were just exhausted the whole time. You had no control of your attention. It was just. Yeah. It was like a miasma of just madness like you got it was just like i couldn't it was it was amazing it was and fascinating that that was due to what the pressure of being in a new city and having yeah i just pressure. i saw it was also like i saw myself failing i think it was like the first time in my career where it just wasn't going as i in the prophecy it wasn't fulfilling itself. everything up to this point i'd sort of like i was knocking off like yeah. I had played well in the Premiership. I was doing. I was starting to learn an Irish at like twenty-two, doing really well. Mm -hmm. 
then I went to and it just started like derailing and there was I felt I felt this pressure on myself that my ego put on myself and I felt from people I knew as well and it was just all um it was all pretty overwhelming and uh, how did you how did you cope I mean who's who's there helping you did did you just live are you sitting in a hotel uh, room on your own or so I had to go I sort of ventured out and found a, a sports psychology um a, a sports psychologist sorry and um he was a good man and um he helped me out a lot but by then the sort of damage had been done to my um to my stock and uh when they sort of got an excuse to get rid of me um they did and so i ended up back in the uk um mm. with bath and um yeah and then i had a really i had a, I, I really enjoyed my time at bath I had, a, I had a very good career there well i, I like to think so and had a yeah. good time and um i managed to sort of rebuild myself but Mentally. um meant to an extent there was also like there was also sort of some other things that i needed to sort out as an as a to like truly in the bit like to truly like accept myself and um yeah was that based in was was that like based in the the the, the i don't know what we call it like the destiny vibe that we're talking about earlier the celebrating the, you know the call from the guy London Irish saying you know this is going to happen for you is it is it about coming to terms with I don't know like leveling out being like a, a I don't know like is there a glass ceiling was there an element of that to it I don't know we like struggling yeah, with like the, that's a, yeah I think I think that was a big part of that like I think I completely defined myself at that point by being a rugby player and what I realized is there was a lot more to myself than that um mm. especially now but i only sort of realized that in my late 20s probably so yeah. there was always this turmoil like there was a resistance to just to just identify myself as a rugby player and mm. um it sort of it it expressed it manifested itself in like the way i had behaved as an adult as well like i just mm. I wasn't the best I could be. I was I was generally quite anxious. Um, I mean, rugby is sort of like a a tough environment socially. As well, not like it's not tough. It's just like if you're not if you're not sure of yourself, it's it can be difficult to like be yourself. If that oh god, mate, competitive sport. There's nothing quite like it. And, and Mm. like Adam Gilchrist or Ricky Ponting talk about that. They talk about how if there's anything on the cricket, on the pitch, the opposition, whoever it is, (laughs) you know, they are going to find it. They're going to find your weakness. Right. And that goes with any sport and Mm. it's, it's, it's tough. Right. It's the same with just like, yeah, like your, the players you're with as well. Like, there's like obviously you want to sort of you want that professional respect mm. um as a as a as a teammate and as an athlete and as a performer like you need that sort of credit and i suppose it's easy it's like in team sports quite easy to find yourself um conforming to the status quo like especially in really strong team cultures i find and um i think that builds I think you can find yourself alienating your 
yourself from yourself, if that makes any sense. You sort of devalue who you are because yeah. you want no, to be liked or you want to conform. So then what happens is you get into very unhealthy patterns. And that's what was happening throughout my career until about 28, because I just kept trying to be this this rugby player, I suppose. I don't know. I, sl- I was slowly like getting player, out of like- it, but it took a I don't know. It was just because that was my um, that was my whole social life, really. Yeah. Like it's such a intoxicating environment. Like the whole thing is like the locker rooms uh, is is it's an intimate place. The whole place, like you you you're you're, you're witnessing everything that motivates other guys or what demotivates them. Hmm. You're you're witnessing quite private private moments. It's 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 a weird thing to say, but that's how I see it anyway. When I'm when I'm playing rugby, when I'm in the coaching environment, like you see people sort of in vulnerable states a lot. So like, some people might say you're only there from I don't know whatever it is nine to five, and mm-hmm. but you, it's not like a job where you punch in and punch out. It's a lifestyle because. So much of your fabric of your actual self is invested in being a rugby player because it's hard to just treat it as a job. It's very much a lifestyle that you embrace. Yeah. So, um, so when I say rugby player, I mean because I spent so much time in it. Even my, like all my social life, like um, when like when you're a young t- twenty year twenty year twenty something, and you're just with the boys on a night out after a yeah. game, and then it's back to the grind. Do it again. And it's just like you slowly sort of transform into something if you're not, hmm. I don't know, like anything. You're sort of a, you're, you're an accumulation of your experiences, aren't you, in life? Yeah. But if, yeah, you're not, if you're not aware about like, if you're not aware about lying to yourself, not lying, I don't know if it's lying, being dishonest with yourself almost. Uh, 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 yeah, I know what you mean. Like being authentically form of, you. A form of deception, yeah. Yeah, there's like, a, there's like, yeah, there's some, did, there's a little bit of dishonesty there. And then, um, because everyone else is doing it, because it's cool, the, the peer yeah. pressure, even if it but isn't. You, it just, but what, what it, I mean, it, it just, kind of, it, it seems to me like there's a struggle there, like, what well, was a struggle there, rather, like, um, maybe there is still to a degree, I don't know. But it, it's, it, seems bigger than rugby I don't know what when you say there's you were trying to be some you know more than just a rugby player what, what, what other things were you trying to attain like what, what things were there going on there I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's like being I don't know if it, I would call it like a title it's just more like being true to yourself is more yeah. what I mean so like maybe saying if yeah, rugby player is probably the wrong term. It's more like I just got lost in this lifestyle. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, if that makes sense, it's not like yeah, the yeah, title. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Like but I could the have commi- been, I, the commitment to being a rugby player, right? The commitment yes. to the, the the whole branch, all the branches. The whole thing can kind of seduce you, and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's how. That's how I sort of. That's how, in my mind, it made sense when I sort of had this epiphany. And I was, I kind of like figured it out and there was like this great kind of burden sort of let off me in that regard. But that's, I think that's, that can come in any forms of life. It's not like unique to 
rugby or anything. It's just something that I think happens. Yeah. It's like, I'm it's so- just hmm. embracing sort of your own individuality. Like there's a, I don't think there's, I, to be honest, I don't think there's enough of it. I don't think people really ever really encounter and um, sort of embrace themselves. Because I think inherently with humans, um, conformity is very important. It's how civilization works. It's how like hunter-gatherers would work. But if you don't, you sort of died because you'd be a loner. But to an extent, I think it's important that you can be a serve in this life. Yeah. And you know, like, yeah, no, but I, I think what I really liked about you is like when I, the, uh, was the a clip of you did, you know, being interviewed by the, the chap. Tom, yeah. Pre, pre-match and there was just something in that, right, first off, there are a couple of things, but the main one was it was brilliant and unique and, and funny and uh, poetic and just so it just cut through so wonderfully but there was also the element an element of there's no way someone is like that knowing they're going out live and unless they've got balls the size of melbourne and have been through some shit they've got to have they've got to have some level of character have some grit and ident- finding themselves to be able to come out with this kind of eccentric yet wonderfully unique celebration of the sport that they love yeah that's whether it's self-inflicted or not i feel like i've put myself through enough well to this point enough adversity so there was a sort of there was a graduation of sorts through my 20s which was which i'm actually very thankful for but as you say um it made me a lot more comfortable being me um and I, I developed more of a sort of, I wouldn't call it a thicker skin, but I sort of just, I got to be myself, like, actually for the for the whole time. Whereas, yeah. um, like, I love doing that sort of stuff. It's something me and my brothers do all the time. We just go weird and play characters and just go off on one. But we do it a lot of the time. And I love it. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot of good fun. I'll do it around the club at Bristol as well. So they'll all be like, the boys will be like, one what the hell's going on here but i've seen some of your videos they're hilarious but like going around like pre-match and you do a whole day like yeah. you go out to like ireland you'll play a match and, like, yeah, yeah it's it's but that, that's very theatrical where does that come from man like where does because I'm, I'm a pretty theatrical guy like where does that whole vibe come from and it's not necessarily it's not very common in sport no i don't there is a bit of thespian stuff in my family um on my mum's side but Generally, it's just like as kids, we would just um, or we were we would ingest so much sort of media. Like we loved it, like lots of reading. Yeah. Any, we were all just giant nerds. We loved it. It was amazing. Yeah. Like at school, I um, at school I struggled for my first uh, first few like first couple of years from about 13, 14. I struggled mm. to sort of getting it was just a hard place like it was a tough school and um i used to read like mad amounts of david jimmel are you familiar with him david david jimmel no david jimmel no, i don't know how to pronounce no, the surname. it's like jemel or jemmel what kind um, of genre is it oh it's heroic fantasy the finest kind like oh, brilliant. Okay. 
I do yeah, know, I like just, jo- I love George R. R. Martin. I've read all the um, Game of Thrones. Books. Yeah, no, he's great. He's great. But this is more um it's similar actually, but it's like George R. R. Martin's a lot more clever, like his intricate storylines, the way he weaves everything's amazing. Yeah. Whereas Gemmels is just like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. It's just <laughs> gratuitous bloodletting. It's the page is a drenched with testosterone as you read the music. <laughs> Embracing manhood, you're like, oh my god, I want to be these people. And when you're just like young, and that's all you're getting in, you just, yeah. you just want to play those characters. So like, for sure, yeah. We did a lot of that as kids. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, I guess that's where it comes from. Um, so it's, it's, it's essentially, it's kind of like you tapping back into your childhood and, and keeping yourself yeah. rooted in rooted in who you are. Yeah, I th- I'd say so. And I always enjoy like. Um, Playing char- like playing characters inspired by popular media all the time around the club, yeah. like Maximus, uh, Maximus, Decimus Meridius, that kind of vibe. But you can just you can go off on one and just let yourself be these sort of stranger people. It's quite good fun. Well, I think so anyway. But some people are like, "You're right, pal." Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I fucking hate it when they're like that. I used to be like that, at, uh, mate. I used to be like that at school, and I still yeah. am to a degree. Like, uh, you let me but, go. Uh, I will just, I'll just fly into one, man. I, I, yeah, some, yeah. you know, what, what's the matter with you? You're on drugs or something? No, I'm just having some fucking fun because it's in me. Yeah, because it's playing it. Play. Yeah, it's about, playing. It's, it's a big part of being a human is playing. So, yeah, no, absolutely. That's why, I mean, what you, again, we're what, so fascinated by actors, I think. Yeah. And it's what you do, isn't it? You play, you know, yeah, you exactly. get smashed, yeah. you get smashed to pieces for a living. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, mate, um, probably have to draw a, draw it to a conclusion here, time and all that. Um, God, such a shame. That's flown by. Uh, really has. I lo- You do strike me as someone with um, a very much um, a, a, an intensity about you. And I, I like the way that it comes out in some of your interviews. And I, I, if anything, I want you to do a little bit more, if that's even possible. I want. I, uh, yeah, you know, I just, if, if they come to me, I, I'm always ready with some sort of Shakespearean beauty. prose for the to articulate yeah. the great game. Yeah, but I just wish there were more. Like, it's so hard to find anybody in sport like um, that just talks from the heart and says and just calls like calls it as it is. It's it's very yeah. very hard to find those those people, and it breathes. It new. is especially in especially in team sport though, and like unfortunately quite incestuous so like if you step on the wrong toes um you just can get it it can it can make life difficult i think that's another part of it and also i think i think as i said before i think people are just so used to sort of not putting up a front but sort of again conforming and it's Mm. like if you're going to put yourself out there in any kind of way like i sort of do sometimes but i've done it so often now that i don't care so i'll I'll do it like in town. I'll just throw on some theatrical voice to the waiter or something, and he'd be like, "Oh my god!" But because I'm desensitized to it, because I do it all the time, right. I don't. I don't really. It doesn't really occur to me. But when someone else is like that, it's sort of more difficult. It's a bit more jarring. Yeah, yeah. People, you always want people to react to you, despite what people tell you. Like, you do care what people think. It's it's just part of being a person. Like yeah. it's important to, to not care in a weird way. Like, but also you want if you want to be successful, you, see, you sort of need some like good feedback because that's what you're reacting off, that and that's what's going to like positively encourage you to be yourself. Mm. 
Yeah, it's a. Well, di- that's it's how a I see di- it. Man. No, no, it's true. It's the dichotomy, isn't it? Because I'm the same, mm. man. Like I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm telling myself I don't care how many people listen to this podcast. I don't care. It's art, and you know, blah blah blah. Uh, as long as I'm doing it, I don't care who listens. In reality, oh, Jesus Christ, if someone. If someone just yeah. gives me any form of a ray of compliment, it it goes such a long way for the the old. Yeah, yeah it's like a, you know? yeah, it's not. It's good, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I always say, especially in sport, you know what they say. Like I think it's Marcus Aurelius. He goes, "You're never quite as bad as people say you are, but you're never quite as good either." <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> that's spot on, old boy." Especially when you got like fans saying, "Ah, oh, Lahif." let down the scum a bit there in that game and you're just like yeah fair and then when someone but then when someone blows smoke up your ass had a blinder amazing incredible nah you weren't that good pal and then just keep everything even keeled yeah it's the the balance isn't it and like you've got to be able to stick your head above the parapet and take a look around when it's good you know, um, it's the the old Roger Kipling if, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? That that poem absolutely. is absolutely spot on, and you've. It's the, I guess it's kind of one of the keys to life, isn't it? You know, if you're afforded yeah, the ability sure. to have great, you know, great moments, of course. But um, anyway, Max, we should do this think... again sometime. Yeah, no, no, whenever. Bro. Yeah. So, were um, you going to just say actually... something, then, and I and I just no, I never, I've never really talked about that straight up like that. Um, that pilgrimage of sorts, like when I was um, figuring everything out. Mm. It's a weird, it was a weird time, but yeah. Yeah, but, but it is though, isn't it? Your, t- your 20s, especially when you, especially when you go, right, I am going to go until the, I want to be an international rugby player, blah, blah, blah. And you're not thinking, there's nothing in the back of your mind telling you like. The- yeah, and then suddenly it gets cloud. It's weird, isn't it? Ooh, As you get I, older, I ha- it's sort of- yeah. yeah, I had an anxiety attack when I was 18 that could basically leveled me for about 15 years until I learned how to deal with it. It was ex- quite extraordinary. Yeah, it wasn't really oh, until I met my, my far wife. Far out. Yeah. I never had like a, I, I developed like a vocal cord dysfunction because of the anxiety, but it never like, it never fully crippled me. It did for, yeah. don't get me wrong though, like it wasn't like I went to Bath and everything was fine. It took me a while. Yeah. It took me like the best part of it three years or so to like, well, no, it's been like four, yeah, like four years to fully like, um, I saw this, I saw this um, psychologist called Deborah Smith, amazing woman. She works in Bath and it was only for this injury I got, I had this uh, chronic illness and um, it was, um, it was awful. It was uh, re- uh, rheumatoid arthritis, reactive arthritis. I just developed oh, God, one yeah. new condition. And I was diagnosed with like Crohn's and all sorts and everything was falling apart. And I was like, what is this madness? I was thrust into the underworld and I couldn't, I couldn't concentrate on being a prop at the time because I, yeah. I just had a very big season for Bath. Like I, it was my, my best year and I played very well at tight and I just changed to that position from the other side. Uh-huh. And um, I developed this illness and I just couldn't cope with the, the inflammation whilst being an athlete. So I sort of, was battling to be a professional and the coaches obviously didn't have any real insight into what I was subjecting myself to. So they just thought I was being a cowboy because I was already, I'm already a kind of a, a laconic guy when it comes to that sort of vibe. Like I'm right, a, yeah. I'm a pretty chill cat. So then when they saw that, it was like, they got, they got pretty, they lost, they sort of lost their patience and faith with me. 
and then um geez so you were kind of like going through a bit of a breakdown really and they didn't sort of and obviously you weren't able to vote yeah, but they, that. maybe i wasn't honest enough or something but it's hard to like rugby's like it's man your coaches are like savages so like it's hard to like be like i'm in a lot of distress here pal but because yeah. it's such a tough sport it's just not the thing really like now i would happily do that i'd be like yeah but when you were that age, like I was mm. just signed a big money contract. I had a lot going on and I just, it was all capitulating. Anyway, I saw this, um, I saw this woman, cause there was one guy who was helping me, a guy called Deck Lynch, the physio, absolutely legend, one of the greats. And um, he put me through to this um, psychologist and I saw her and she was originally only there to help my pain management, like yeah. for sport. And then suddenly she was like, there's a lot more going on here than just your, oh, <laughs> just your injury. Yeah. You are yeah. an unhappy bunny. I was like, you're so, there's something going on here. So did the whole thing, man. And that, yeah. um, it was glorious. Yeah. I, I, um, well, you mean like there was a cathartic like moment? Yeah, no, like she, to her? she like, she like, it was so, like, I, I guess that's how they do it. They like make you map it out. Then they give you, then they just ask you the right questions, and then you sort of just start looping stuff like trauma logic, like trauma loops, and like unhealthy pattern making. You've been putting yourself mm-hmm. through since you were a child and stuff, and you're just, like, I see. But it's like, it's again, it's that thing like with, with um, psychologists, it's something you uh, that frowned upon. You're suddenly a crazy person if you're a psychologist, but you'll go to the doctor if you're ill, won't you? But you won't go to the right psychologist yeah. if your brain's broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I love truly, it, mate. Yeah. I love psychology. It's I'm so into it now. Like psychology and philosophy, I'm so into. But then uh, the only thing with philosophy is that um once you read too much, you're just like if you're like you know too head. much. Right. Yeah, then you're just head, like, right? Yeah. God damn it. You're like questioning everything and you're like Yeah, oh, exactly. Don't fucking so go annoying. too Stay a little bit far from the abyss, man. Yeah. There's a line. There's a line. Yeah, Don't cross. Exactly. Yeah, ex- it'll stay yeah. back. Yeah, but it is. Like, it's quite interesting because what you you know what kind of when you're such a young kid, you know, you're not giving any rise. To, you're not giving any um, credence to any of the the anxieties that you're you wouldn't you wouldn't do because they'd be subconscious anyway. And then when yeah. you suddenly like your brain does flip and you start to question all those cornerstones and those pillars of your psyche, it's like. Oh, okay then. Uh, shit, and I can't imagine the pain of having to be in an environment where you have to be around a bunch of tough motherfuckers that never talk about their feelings um, or in any way external. Yes, yeah, and then yeah, and you're just having to just deal with it. I hate. I I feel for you, man. I felt. I feel for your younger self, big time. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Um, it was interesting, bro. It was interesting. I had a great time, though. But um, looking back on it, I was definitely in some kind of, just for so long I was in, like, it's amazing what you can live with. Like, there was definitely a level of turmoil I was just capable of enduring for so long. And I'm just like, Christ. But yeah, Max, it was, yeah, it was so cathartic. I, one. Man, I used to come home from work and collapse from mental fatigue. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily sob. But I just come home, front door, not bed, yeah. front door, open front door, fall on the steps, and just collapse and 
sometimes cry. I mean, from and what you just said there about saying like, it's amazing what you you put you put up with. It's amazing what you can put yourself through. It, that is never a truer like that is so true, mate. Yeah. Like, I, it, it's ex- I it's excruciating. Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's crazy. But I know, and we I don't know have to. And you don't have you don't. to. What? That's what's but so you don't know. ridiculous. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. You don't know, do you? Yeah. You don't know sometimes. Yeah. That's the worst thing. You're like in this yeah. kind of fog. It's so easy to be like, uh, if only I knew. But like when you're in it, you're so deep in it. You're like in a maze and the minotaur's in there with you. But when you're out of it, you can look above and see all the kind of, all the, the shortcuts and the nooks and crannies. But unfortunately. <laughs> So it's like a it's a very personal journey though that stuff no one else can really get you out of it they can ask you the right questions absolutely but yeah it's a it's a singular it's a singular kind of self-discovery isn't it too fucking right like forgiveness is as self-forgiveness is a big thing as well um but yeah dude thank you so much for your time um it'd be good to chat with you in it in a little in, in some in like some capacity in in the future um just to see where you're at and what you're doing and what have you and and i don't know the next chapter It'd be quite exciting um i'll, I'll message oh yeah i'm excited on the yeah yeah video. absolutely just message me on twitter but yeah um yeah the next chapter is going to be very exciting when, when's your next it. match um saturday no friday friday Exeter Chiefs oh. should be tasty. Is that home or away? Uh, home, home, home. On the box? On the telly box? On the telly box, yes. Okay, BT man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a look. I'm have a look. See, have a look. See, mate. Yeah, that'd be great. Smash yeah. them. The Legion, kill them. the Legion of Darkness, led by Rob <laughs> Baxter versus the Forces of Light, led by Pat Lamb, the Righteous Men of Bristol. <laughs> we do do battle with the. The League of Shadows, the Irish, the Chiefs should be fun. Mate, be kill fun. a bit, a bit of um, West Country rivalry, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no. It's it's absolutely on. There'll be bloodshed. <laughs> yeah, it's they're going to be coming in hot. We yeah. beat them at home this season so far, and they're like the double champs. So they'll be they'll be um they'll be salivating for the for it. Well, by the time this comes out, mate, uh, we'll know one way or another. Uh, and I just hope you have a great game. Yeah, should be fun, bro. Yeah. These kind of games always bring the best out of you. They're very kind of, very stimulating, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Nice one, man. Well, look, look after yourself, okay? And best, go play, play well, go well on Friday, okay? Go well, go well, go well. And thanks, man. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, um, thank you yeah. for being so Stay honest and open with me. Yeah, easy, easy. It's only it's only way you can do podcasts these days, isn't it? True, true. <laughs> See you, buddy. <laughs> See you, boss. Ladies, bye take bye care. Bye bye. You too.